let's uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you that you are here amongst us. Thank you for another beautiful, glorious day that just testifies to the good earth that you created, Lord. Thank you for all the ways that you provide for us and show us grace on a daily basis, Lord. Thank you that we have the financial resources available to us to live in an area like the North Shore. We praise you that you are the creator of all. We praise you for sending your son into this creation that has been broken through sin to redeem it, Lord. I ask that you would forgive us for all the ways that we turn away from you on a daily basis, Lord, for all the ways that you we reject the ways that you have provided for us, Lord. I pray that you would just convict our hearts of the areas where we are selfish, the areas that we have turned away from you, and ask that you would be with us, that you would apply your grace to us so that we can live in a way that is glorifying to you. I ask that you would be with those both here today and participating online, Lord, that are struggling with different things in their lives. We live in a very difficult and challenging time. I pray that you would be with the parents that are dealing with digital schooling for their kids or for part-time schooling. I pray that you would be with those children, Lord, as they are experiencing just really unusual circumstances. I ask that you would be with those who are who are older and who are fearful for their safety, for those that are isolated in their homes, Lord. I pray that they would just have opportunities to connect with other people through some means and that you would be with them. They would know that they are not alone because you are present in their lives. I also just ask that you be with all of us as we continue to move through whatever challenges that we face on a daily basis, Lord, and that as we experience those challenges, that it would continue to direct us more towards you. I thank you for this church, Lord, and I thank you for the ministries that it is able to support. We pray especially for the radio ministry of Dr. Reverend Bill Boylan as he continues to minister in that way. I pray that that ministry would be fruitful and that you would provide him and that ministry with all that is needed to continue to move forward, Lord. I also ask that you would be with the various efforts that we are doing here now at the church, the different programs, Lord. Pray for ministries like Divorce Care and this upcoming fall festival and the Byfield Recess and the Sunday School classes and uh, even this worship service itself, Lord, I pray that you would bless those endeavors. I also ask that you would be with those that are struggling with specific physical needs. We lift up Carol McKenzie and Betty Stone to you again, Lord, and others in our congregation who are experiencing pain. I pray that you would be with Robin Hudson who fell and broke her wrist in a couple of places last night, Lord. I pray that you would uh, be with that situation that might require surgery and that you would just 
give her and, and Don and the doctors wisdom as they engage with how best to move forward and that she would heal quickly from that inner from that injury Lord. I also pray that you would be with the political situation in our country I think we're uh, about 37 days away from a major presidential election and just feels like the divisiveness in our country continues to escalate and grow and so I pray that you would be with our leadership that they would lead, lead us wisely for President Trump and leaders of um, Congress and Senate and state legislatures and Governor <coughs> Bakers and local officials as well I pray that you would be with all of them and I pray that you would just help us as we engage in these areas as citizens. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just uh, a little bit of a little bit of context. I got. I meant to tell you guys before I prayed for those of you that are friends with Robin Hudson. She did fall and break her wrist last night. So. Uh, if you're the type of person that sends a card of encouragement, uh, this might be a good time to do that with her, for her. I wouldn't try to call her today. Um, that would probably not be a good time to do that unless you really feel like that's something she would appreciate from you, then go for it. But uh, maybe a text or something might be nice. So let's go ahead and dive in to today's sermon. Several years ago, around the time I started here at Byfield, I went to a retirement advisor in Newburyport to talk about what I needed to be doing in the present to prepare for the future. I had multiple retirement accounts connected to different jobs I had had over the prior decade. I was looking to consolidate all of them into one place. Not surprisingly, the retirement planner basically told me what I already knew. I should put my capital into a mix of stocks and bonds. I should continue to add money on a monthly basis to what I had already set aside. He gave me a target that he said would allow me to live in comfort when I was done working. The retirement planner was happy to manage my accounts moving forward for a small fee, of course. The stocks I purchased would be in the form of mutual funds. Instead of buying a lot of one company, mutual funds allow investors to buy a little bit of a lot of companies. That way, if something bad happens to one of the companies in the mutual fund, I would only lose part of my investment instead of all of it. When it comes to money, we are all looking for as much certainty as possible. We want certainty about the future. We plan for retirement so that we know we will be okay. We choose mutual funds because they are low risk or at least lower risk. Financial planning for retirement and Christian faith share a common ambition. Both hope to create an assured future. 
A future without risk allows a person to live in the present with confidence. Scripture recognizes that the desire for future assurance is a desire all people share. While not bad in and of itself, it can cause us to look to things for assurance that cannot provide it. Material resources, specifically money, is one of the things people look to most. The Bible has a lot to say about trusting our future to anything besides God. We are in the second week of a short sermon series we are doing here at Byfield on money. For today's scripture reading, we will return to the Old Testament. So please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to read verses 7 through 16. There's also an insert in your bulletin with those verses printed on it. Hear the word of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 7. And after a while, the, book, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. The him, in this case, is Elijah the prophet. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil and a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, and that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Our ability to provide for ourselves today, much less in the future, is dependent on the circumstances we find ourselves in. The widow in these verses sounds a little pessimistic about her own situation. She says, 
As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. This is bleak. I have a reflexive response to statements like this. My kids can testify to the fact that I don't respond with patience when they or other people act like they are victims. My normal response to this type of talk would be to say, come on lady, get your chin up. I mean, quitters never win and winners never quit. Am I right? That's the coach in me coming out. But the problem here is not lack of effort or a bad attitude. This widow is literally walking around picking up sticks. She is not just being an Eeyore or a Debbie Downer calling out, woe is me. Her poverty does not result from a defect of character. She is doing everything she can. The widow recognizes the reality of the situation she is in. God is judging King Ahab and all Israel with him. In verse 1 of today's chapter, Elijah says to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. In an agrarian society, a lack of rain can make things really bad pretty quickly. The widow is a victim of factors outside her control. There is no food to be found. No food is growing due to the lack of rain. Any resources the widow had to buy more have already been spent. Her stores are exhausted. All she has left is a handful of flour and a bit of oil. For Americans, it is hard for us to recognize how limited we are in our ability to provide for ourselves. We don't find ourselves in situations like the widow here does. With pretty minimal effort, we can provide for our needs. Even in periods of bad economic downturns, there are still jobs available. There may be jobs that we view as inferior, but they are jobs. Those that can't go to food banks can, those that can't get a job can still go to food banks or homeless shelters. A social safety net exists. We don't have to worry that a lack of rain will lead to starvation. Thankfully, in the United States, there's always some option available. Americans live in an environment filled with potential provision. When I used to travel to Haiti yearly, it was striking that this same potential did not exist. The people there were willing to work hard, harder, in fact, than most Americans. They were resourceful as well. They wasted nothing. The one time Anne went with me to Haiti, she developed a relationship with 
some teenage girls there that we were working with. One day for lunch, one of them pulled out this chicken leg that she had brought for lunch. It literally looked like the leg off of like a sparrow. It was the skinniest chicken leg you'd ever seen. And she began to share it with each of her three friends and she offered and some as well. And after these girls had picked every microscopic morsel of meat off that bone, one of the girls snapped the bone in half and sucked the marrow out of the inside. People in Haiti don't go to bed hungry due to laziness or stupidity. They go to bed hungry because they live in Haiti. We fail to realize how our situation affects our view of the world. It is easy to be optimistic when you have options. The options we enjoy are a product of our existence in a place and time where God has allowed abundance to exist. It's not just because we're super awesome, right? We have no ability to create abundance for ourselves. If we were in the position of the widow of Zarephath, we would be no better off. Like her, we would be one meal away from starvation. Our capacity to provide for ourselves is incredibly dependent on the situation we find ourselves in. God is unlimited in his ability to provide for us. The Bible is consistently clear on this fact. In the story we read today, God withholds the rain. There are many other stories in which God's power is exhibited. During the time of Israel's wandering in the wilderness, God provided manna and quail from heaven. Jesus turned water into wine and multiplied the loaves and fishes. These are extraordinary examples of God's capability. He doesn't just provide in miraculous ways, though. God provides routinely. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus is pointing out that every wildflower that grows is dependent on God for its existence. Every moment this world propagates life is a miracle that has been initiated by the divine. Each blade of grass, a testament to the capacity of the Lord. It is God that provides for us. He does so all the time. In every circumstance, everything we have is from God. He is the ultimate provider. Some may say, no, you know, I worked hard for this. I worked hard for this. This is mine. But God is the one that gave you the intellect, the energy, and the life to do what you do. In a real sense, we are completely dependent on God. Without him, we would cease to exist, not just in some vague spiritual sense, we would actually 
starve to death. We would return to dust. Now, quick caveat here. God's provision doesn't mean that we have no role in providing for ourselves. God rarely celebrates passivity. In his second letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul writes, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This verse was written for those that have the capacity to work, but lack the inclination to do so. Fruit grows by the Lord's blessing. We still have to pick it. Quick sidebar here. I love New England, but apple picking is seriously the worst. It's the worst. This has nothing to do with the sermon. This is all bonus, right? What exactly am I supposed to find enjoyable about performing unskilled manual labor with children? Somebody tell me. I don't know. I thought this is what I was trying to move past in my life, not willingly engage in. I feel confident that the pilgrims would have found the whole idea preposterous. All right, now we're back to the sermon. <laughs> Harvesting any of the blessings God makes available to us requires effort. Proverbs 24, 33, and 34 say, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Laziness is not a fruit of the Spirit. God providing and us working are not in contradiction. The widow cannot be accused of failing to work. She is doing all she can. While it is worthwhile to point out that people should work hard, the more common problem in our culture is acting like we alone must provide for ourselves through making money. Many people that claim to be Christians live as practical atheists when it comes to their finances. Money consumes their thoughts. Last week's sermon talked about how it is commonly looked to as a source of life desire for more money is a source of unending anxiety. Thoughts about money are often future focus. How will I pay for my kids' braces or college? What will I do if my car breaks down? Can I retire if the stock market declines? What will I do if I get laid off? The ultimate answer to these questions is that God will provide tomorrow as he provided today. It doesn't mean we shouldn't plan and work. It does mean our faith that God is capable of providing and will do so should impact how we interact with money. The widow models what faith determining the way we approach finances should look like. She puts her future in God's hands. She does what Elijah commands. The widow uses the last of what she has left to make food for the prophet. Her act of obedience is possible because she turns her fears 
over to the Lord. She believes God is capable of providing for her needs and that he will do it. This belief changes the way she lives her life. Christians are called to be like the widow of Zarephath. The alternative is thinking we alone are responsible to meet our own needs. Talk about stressful. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. When we trust God, it changes our whole life. Our security is not our efforts. We rely on God who clothes the lilies of the field in all their majesty to ensure our needs are met. Enjoying God's provision requires stepping forward in faith. If we want to go it alone, God will let us trust. He will let us struggle and plan and work apart from him to provide for ourselves. We may pile up great amounts of money and wealth without ever acknowledging that God has made it possible for us to do so by placing us in certain situations with favorable circumstances. I don't imagine many people on the list of a hundred richest people in the world would credit God for their tremendous wealth. If they were honest about their beliefs, they would admit that they think they were just smarter and harder working than everyone else. Even if we were to succeed in amassing an amazing fortune, the certainty that wealth gives us would be ephemeral. That's how Ecclesiastes, probably written by Solomon, one of the wealthiest men in the world at the time, describes wealth. He says it's like smoke. It just disappears like vapor. Last week in the passage from 1 Timothy, we read where Paul wrote, we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of it. Everything we can bring to pass through our own efforts is temporary. God promises to provide when we look to him to fulfill our needs. In the case of the widow, God promises to sustain the, the physical needs of her and her child. The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. This is obviously a big deal. God recognizes our need for physical resources. More than that, God recognizes our need for spiritual provision. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Our attempts to fill the spiritual hunger we all have by our own efforts are about as effective as giving a malnourished baby a bottle with hot water in it to suck on. Any feeling of satisfaction we gain by our own efforts will not last. 
we will just continue to grow weaker and more skeletal with time. We will waste away. The widow's poverty was actually an advantage when it came to placing her faith in God to provide for her. From her perspective, she didn't have a whole lot to lose. She only had enough food for one more meal. Elijah was not being honest. She would just starve slightly sooner than she otherwise would have. Not ideal, but not a tremendous risk. Those who are poor have a predisposition to look to God in faith. They have exhausted their own abilities. They have nowhere else to turn. For the widow and others like her, being poor in spirit is a blessing. It feels like we have plenty to lose by looking to God as a source of provision. Faith in Him requires us to give up the illusion of control of our lives. What if He does not take our lives the direction we want them to go? This isn't just a probability. I'm sorry, it's not just a possibility. It is a probability. The desires of the flesh stand in opposition to the desires God has for us. It doesn't seem like God cares about money much at all. He might even allow me to be poor. Yep, that's true. God's priority is not wealth or material things. He is looking to provide for us a better present. Even more than that, he is looking to provide a certain future. Jesus Christ is that certain future. He is the bread of life. The appeal of mutual funds in retirement planning is that they are a lower risk proposition. It is, not, it is wise not to put all your eggs in one basket. The thing is, mutual funds are still one basket. They are just one basket with a lot of types of eggs. No worldly financial arrangement can purchase for us the certain future we desire. Confidence based on money is misplaced confidence. Like smoke, all the companies listed on the New York Stock Exchange will one day pass away. Even if they didn't, all the worldly wealth we have will make little difference when we die. Through Jesus Christ, God gives us an opportunity to buy in to a better mutual fund. We become inheritors of God, owners of the promissory notes he has made. We buy in, not by our own effort, but through Christ's blood. This is the only wise investment. God's kingdom provides a certain future. Its value is guaranteed. 
the only source of certainty that we can rely on in this life and in the next is God alone. Those who trust in him, as the widow of Zarephath did, have a guaranteed future that allows them to be confident today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity to have a certain future in you. I pray that you would show us the lack of value of the things that we invest so much time and energy in, in this world. I pray that you would help us to see that if we really want to be able to move forward in our life with confidence, we need to place our trust and faith in you. Ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.